Have you hugged a ripen? Wagered a podcast bet? Toasted to friends at Clover Pine? Prove it all to your friends with Crossword merch available now in the gift shop. T-shirts, hats, mugs, stickers, and a whole lot more. Your purchase supports the show and keeps us running. Go to GhostbustersHQ/shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the program. This week on the show, boy, oh boy, this is fun. After 32 years, we are sitting down with an official release of the Ghostbusters 2 score from Randy Edelman. Uh, We're going to be comparing tracks to stuff that's in the movie. We're going to be deep diving on some of the tracks that we've never heard before, uh, talking about our general thoughts uh, on the overall album. It's a fun one. Plus, we're going to talk about the Afterlife score that we heard, too. Score-centric. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! See if my, it, my, I feel like my brain is just full of Stay Puffed Marshmallows right now. Like, I, and that's not because I've been consuming a ton of them. Uh, I mean, I have been, but that's a different story. Yes. But it's just like, today was another one of those days where I was on Zoom calls for like 10 hours. And I'm not exa- I'm not exaggerating. It was 10 hours worth of Zoom calls. And so we, we sit down to podcast and I'm like, oh yeah, this is actually like conversation. We, we get to talk. This is not <laughs> having to sit and nod and, you know, uh, whatever look engaged with the camera um which is half the yeah. reason why i was like we're not doing camera tonight i'm so done <laughs> sorry guys there's no reason to look at us we're an audio podcast and our youtube <laughs> fo- we have like 300 youtube followers sorry 300 youtube followers you can listen to the audio we'll 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 get you something later yeah we'll get you something else <laughs> we'll we'll start doing some build episodes here shortly i swear but uh yes that's some big catching up. Uh, literally to my left, uh, because we don't have video and nobody can see it, I can explain it to everybody. Uh, I have boxes that are stacked probably at least five feet high, four feet high. Um, and granted, mm-hmm. on the bottom of the on the bottom of the stack is a box I have for you that I keep meaning to mail to you. <laughs> uh, but on top of that is just ectomobile parts. Like they're stacking up, and we have to build because I have a chassis behind me that is just begging for uh, all of the pieces to be put together. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna we do should that um, we should uh, sort out that package you can send to me, and then I'll send you down some. Uh uh, well, like the the seasonal Halloween coffee crisp oh, should be coming in. That's soon. a fair we'll, trade. Uh, that's a fair trade and a half. And then uh, we'll get that. We'll get that uh, that that box of. <laughs> it's like, it's like I'm your ex, and I still haven't come by to pick up some crap I left. Don't pick up your shit. Don't pick up your shit. <laughs> we broke up three years ago. It's I have I have things here that were very lovingly and amazingly given to us from our listeners. Because they'll send stuff to me, uh, because mm-hmm. you know, sending stuff abroad—well, uh, not even abroad—you know, up up across the border in Canada, yeah. um, it gets kind of costly. And I'm like, just send it to me, and I'll give it to Chris. But the problem is that there's been a pandemic for two years, and so I've been <laughs> sitting on the stuff that people have given to you generously, um, yeah. and it's just sitting well, in a box. So, like uh, DJ BC there, Mr. Bob Cronin uh, finished his ghost cave. That's in here. That's, uh, that's in the box. He finished that the. <laughs> Fall 2019, after uh, everybody met up at at uh, 
you know, the gathering there. Uh, uh, and then, yeah. And I, 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 I pledged it because I wanted to support it, but everything was only shipping within the U.S. So I pledged it and then sent it to you thinking, <laughs> no problem. It'll go to Troy's and then he'll pass it on to me. And then, you know, the world ended. But, uh, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I've, I've got we'll, we'll get it figured out. I got some, uh, got some Hasbro merch. I've got some. Uh, one of uh, one of our listeners uh, sent some awesome uh, gifts for your son, uh, which I still it's going to be like Thomas is going to have a Christmas party uh, for presents that were supposed to be given to him like two years ago. Well, as long uh, as it's not closed, because they probably won't fit him anymore. So no, I mean I don't want to. Sp- I don't want to spoil it. Somebody don't spoil uh, it. and I I don't remember who did it either. Dagnabbit. It's been so long I've forgotten, and I'm so sorry. But somebody sent you some fun Scooby <laughs> stuff. That's all, oh, that's all nice. I'll say. Well, there's um, our next uh, YouTube video is you unboxing and reboxing <laughs> everything that you're shipping up to it's, me. I mean, it's all lovingly packed here. It's ready yeah. to go, but uh, I just need to get to the UPS store and ship it out. Um, yeah, well, it's like that's, you know, a Footlocker size now at this point. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, but, that's the trick. I'm not. I'm. I am never going to tell you that you need to go out into public to a. Uh, you know, a shipping store somewhere to. I, I can wait. I'm. I'm so. it's, yeah, it's fine. It's a. It's a trade-off between making you wrote into public and taking up space in your house. So, <laughs> so it, it's fine. It's a little chicken and egg. I'm like, I'm in the house 24/7. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's fine. But anyway, well, nobody nobody tuned into this podcast to listen to us talking about our shipping woes. They tuned in to hear us talk about things that. We're actually not going to talk about. Yes, all right. Let's just get it out of the way here, really quickly at the top. Everybody, uh, the, uh, address the elephant in the room. Um, I will remind everyone it is the policy of this podcast. Uh, and and Chris, you and I just kind of just share this in general as an unwritten rule yeah. uh, to not speak about leaks, to not speak about uh, photos that were taken from spy cameras uh, no. from uh, a mile away. Um, Yes, uh, there was a lot of stuff that was going around, very intriguing stuff. Um, I would encourage everybody to be a goldfish. Uh, yep. Craig Craig Goldberg, our friend at Yes Have Some, sent me the uh, the photo, and I was like, oh, be a goldfish. And he's like, I don't know what that means. And I said, you need to watch Ted Lasso uh, because <laughs> I'm being you now where you were like, Troy, watch Ted Lasso. Troy, watch Ted Lasso. Watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. yeah. Season, get everybody to catch up. Season two. It, it's so Going good. great. Yeah, it's so good. But so, so anyway, so Be a Goldfish is essentially Ted Lasso's, like, goldfish have uh, 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 memories that expire after whatever it is, five minutes. So Be a Goldfish. Have a short-term yeah. memory and forget it. Um, he he uses, it, he uses it to encourage, the, encourage them to forget about their losses and get yeah. ready for the next game. We're encouraging uh, one another and you y'all out there y'all. Uh, to forget about anything you see that may factor into the movie and trust me over the last three or four weeks oh god between the toys and that's a lot the the thing we will not talk about and all that it's like ah. well and the other thing too is we don't know that things are necessarily geared toward the movie it could be part of the marketing campaign it could be could geared be. toward a commercial it could be geared toward anything and its grandmother so anything all the more reason like just be a goldfish we weren't supposed to see certain Forget things about it we'll talk about it when it's officially revealed to us uh, however it is supposed to be officially re- revealed to us um so take that to heart if you're on social media uh, try to forget it. If you don't know what we're talking about, <coughs> stay where you are. Cherish it. Uh, don't lose the uh, amazing, immaculate feeling that you have right now where you don't know what we're talking about because 
it, it is it is to your advantage to not seek out whatever it is we're talking about. So what what I like about the this film being so iconic in many ways uh, with elements and things like that is that a lot of the times I can see stuff just quickly and then just shut it down. Yeah, and then shove it into the like into into the the. <laughs> Head back to the Ghostbusters 2 and Ghostbusters 1 part of my memory palace and file them there alongside the same iconography from those movies. And then it's just lost. Like my brain was like, oh, yeah, it's that thing from that thing. It's like, and it's not from the new thing I haven't seen. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, this also reminds me of. I remember when when the Tim Burton Batman came out in 1989 and I sat and I did some really slapdash math and I was like, look, it takes about two to three years to make movies. So I I bet there's going to be a sequel to Batman in like probably 1991, 1992. And I reading Starlog and watching Entertainment Tonight and 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 really like for the next two or three years was anticipating another Batman movie. And I did the same thing with Ghostbusters 2, and look where it wound up. I've got a podcast <laughs> that we've been doing for X amount of years. Um, but it, it feels to me like that. It feels like this long two- or three-year period, which is what it's eventually turned out to be, um, where we have been eagerly anticipating a movie where normally, you know, we're being fed like, hey, this just started filming. Here, the director put photos out on their Instagram. Hey, here's a trailer. Here's a clip. Here's And everything happens at such a lightning-paced speed. Um, and it's kind of funny to watch people's reactions to it. Like, we just had a trailer come out two weeks ago, and people are like, oh, mm. you're already recycling the stuff from the old trailer. The old trailer from two weeks ago? Two weeks Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so it's it's kind of nice This to, is why we can't have nice things. I know, I know. It's it's kind of nice to not have things. And then when things pop yeah. up, you're, and you're like, what the heck is this? Um, it's kind of well, fun. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, wait. The movie's done. I don't know. Just forget it, and we'll figure it out when it when it comes to pass. So yeah, it's the it's the going out to eat. You know when you get your mindset. I'm gonna go out for pizza, and then you start thinking about the pizza you're gonna have, and then you watch the commercials of the pizza you're gonna have, and maybe somebody else got the same pizza. Like that's where we're at with it. somebody else had the same pizza, and they showed it to you, and you're like, oh, that's gonna be some good pizza, and then you get there and. You sit down to eat it, and it's just not, it doesn't match yeah. what you had in your head. Damn it, now that's I just what, want pizza. That's why, exactly, that's why you should go, I want, I want pizza. pizza, and yeah. then don't think about it, and then just go, you haven't thought about it. So, hey, any pizzas could be, I don't know where this is going. This is not a philosophy. I don't know, I and I'm multiplicity referencing here. But <laughs> So anyway, hey, welcome to the podcast, everybody. <laughs> um, we are going to be talking about the Ghostbusters 2 score. We're going to be talking about the Ghostbusters Afterlife score, because we've heard mm-hmm. part of it now. Um, this is a very score centric episode. I'm very excited about it because I love film scores. Um, we are not talking about the stuff that we just talked about for 10 minutes. I don't know how that just happened. Um, but, uh, but here's, what's going to happen. We're going to do some news. Uh, it's mainly just merch roundup stuff. Uh, we got a lot of toys and a lot of Halloween stuff that's hitting this, the shelves. So we want to address that. Um, and then we will be getting into the score discussion and it's going to start right now. Hi, Steve. Hey, guys. Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. I want pizza. Give me pizza. All right. I want pizza. 
Uh, merch roundup. Hey, everybody. Mm. So here's what we're going to do. Just rapid fire. Uh, Ghostbuster sure. cereal. Uh, we have all been looking forward to uh, having a Saturday morning cartoon marathon with our Ghostbuster <laughs> cereal. A lot of people have not been able to get it. Uh, good news is it is hitting shelves. Yeah. Literally, Bam. I see pictures of like end caps that are full of it. So uh, we kind of knew yeah. it was coming in August and September. It is now hitting. Uh, check your Walmart stores, uh, at least for the family sized boxes, the big, you know, larger boxes. Yeah, for people who aren't aware, the the there was a smaller size box that came out, what a month back now or so? No, even more than that, probably. It's been a couple of months now. I want to say pushing a couple yeah. of months, and that was the one you kind of had to hunt around. And if you found it, you found it. If you didn't, you did it. They are not big boxes. It's like, um, well, it's much like you'd expect with a lot of like short term or special cereals right like yeah it's uh, that, that smaller you know uh usually the the dollar 79 box of life yeah. cereal you know it's that smaller size or box, yeah. uh or if they're doing like a special seasonal one-off thing right like so um uh like the loki charms that are going to come out i guarantee right. you will be in the small uh, size uh, box and stuff like that right? frankenberry and count chocula yeah, exactly. and those, yeah the smaller boxes but the, the these or are the return the, of the return of fruit brute fruit <laughs> But anyways, I, I want um, the Monster Mash cereal. While we're talking yeah. about it, I blame Dinosaur Dracula because I want that Monster Mash cereal, man. Yeah. Well, have you seen that? I have, and I like that everybody is getting all weird that there's chocolate in with all the fruit. I'm like, yeah, I because this stuff's gourmet. Just eat Pretty your stupid. sugary childhood and enjoy it. Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> but, like, who complains? It's like, oh, you, you've got this awesome thing. And you have to go nitpick. I mean, come on. Uh, but, yeah, um, exactly. But these are, yeah, the family sizes. What you, you know, when you grab yourself a box of Cheerios, this is the size you're you're uh, used to, yeah, right? That's, so. that's a few really good sized bowls. Uh, and and some people are saying, I went to my Walmart, I didn't find it. And then other people are saying, go to your seasonal aisle, and there it is. And sure enough, yep. uh, because they're ramping up for Halloween. In August, I know we're all just eagerly <laughs> anticipating holidays because it's the only thing we have to live for at the moment. But uh, go check your seasonal aisles because they have been stocking them uh, on end caps and and islands and pallets and stuff uh, in the mm-hmm. in the back to school in the Halloween aisle. Uh, so so check that out. Uh, also, I know we're focusing on Walmart, but I have heard that uh, Ralph's, Kroger, Vons, uh, Safeway. Uh, King Supers, um, across this, like a lot of the, the grocery stores have started carrying the smaller boxes yeah. too. So if, if you all, weren't all able the, to find it, yeah. chances are you can find it now. All, all in the U S unfortunately, this is for, for know, Canadians who are like, I'm going to Safeway or Walmart. No, they will not have it. Sorry. No, guys, but, uh, but speaking of Canada, finally getting something yeah. Hasbro has started finally shipping stuff North of the border. Uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of people have started finding the the new offerings, the the fright features figures, uh, the um, the twelve inch figures, the twelve inch figures, the the mini uh, puff poppers, um, yep, the blaster, the, yeah. the plasma, the mod blaster, I guess they're calling it the the ghost whistle, the you name it, they're they're all showing up on shelves here uh, in Toys R Us, and I know Toys that, R Us Canada that <sighs> breaks a lot of hearts in the U.S. <sighs> and I apologize for that, but. Um, Someday we're going to have a toy store again, Chris Stewart. Someday. You will. You will. Uh, just not anytime soon. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so if you've been in Canada, uh, like Chris has, and a lot of our listeners uh, who I know are are uh, are in the Great White North, um, 
good news is that that is happening. Um, also, the wave two of the Hasbro Fright Features figures, we saw a great uh, preview of those. Uh, the packaging, um, all of the Afterlife characters, podcast, Phoebe, uh, Trevor. Um, is Lucky part of that? I can't remember now. I, I have can't to, remember. Either. I have to go back and look. But but anyway, so the, the, the Fright Features figures, we've got a great uh, photo. Go check out Ghostbusters News or our social media because they've they're up there. Um, Jason's got a lot of time on his hands cause he's doing Ghostbusters news full time. Yay. Go Jason. Well, there goes my final thought. Ah, oh, we'll come no. back to it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but also wave two of the plasma series figures have started hitting yeah. the shelves down here in the States. And, uh, that is what I'm particularly looking forward to. I want to get those, uh, uh, afterlife uh, themed figures it's basically everybody but Phoebe that's been introduced now. So you can get your yep. uh, Trevor, uh, Lucky, Podcast, uh, Venkman, Stance, and uh, uh, Zedmore, um, and Phoebe coming TBD. I don't know why. Why is Phoebe running behind? Did they ever explain that? No. I mean, it really comes down to one of two things. It's either there's something about the figure that is way too revealing for the movie uh, or, you know, we live in a world where sometimes lately things just kind of fall behind because the world's weird. It's so. true. I mean, I know there's shipping container problems, there's uh, oil and plastic problems, but but also I'm, the, I'm sitting here yeah. counting on my fingers because I'm terrible. Uh, six figures, I'm guessing, is a case, so maybe that seventh figure is just kind of an, an outlier, yeah. and maybe that's coming with another wave of something else or it, maybe it another could, shipment of wave yeah. one. It could literally be anything, though, like, we don't know exactly when these things were produced. We could roughly, uh, assuming that they weren't produced and then they've been storing them for like a year, which seems kind of insane. Um, if they had enough time to like produce them and then stop. And I think they probably would have given when lockdown went into, into play. Uh, it's quite possible that when they started up the machine again, something about her figure just didn't pass muster. Cause remember a lot of these things have to, uh, contractually run through a, a, a Sony and sure. or actor yeah, okie dokie like, machine. approvals. So. But, but also Phoebe <laughs> in the flight suit, we Troy, know that there was... Troy, huh. it, <laughs> look, I, I, I know you're in Hollywood and I know you're thinking, <laughs> but I believe it's called an okie dokie process, okay? Oh, uh, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, not the, a likeness. Okie dokies, yes. Okey-dokey. It did not get the okie dokies. It did not get the okie dokies. But um, uh, yeah. But, but we'll find I was thinking enough. that the Ecto-1 uh, playset that has Phoebe in the flight suit and then the other one that doesn't have, she's in the overalls and that. Yeah. That, uh, so maybe there's something about her being in the flight suit that was, they kind of went back and forth and flip-flopped yeah. on like how much we want to to emphasize that. Um, yeah, that could have been it too, right? So, uh, so anyway, oh, well. so I, I want them all. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> I, I hit up uh, one of my, my uh, text groups and I was like, hey, uh, help me, um, s- single income at the moment and, uh, still trying to provide for my family, but I do want to pick up all of these figures. Where is the cheapest place for these? I know plasma series up on pulse right now. We're like 22 95 us. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 will Amazon undercut them? Will target undercut them? I don't know. Stay tuned. But anyway, uh, I mm-hmm. want all of those figures. I want all of the fright features figures. I mean, I want them for my kids but also me. Um, <laughs> what else we have? Oh, Halloween. That's a, uh, uh, coming, coming, coming. Halloween around the corner. is coming. Halloween is coming. 
and <laughs> all of those spirit <laughs> Halloween pop-up shops will start popping up. Uh, hopefully maybe fingers crossed because this is the year because we're going back to normal, right? <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, but so spirit, uh, has a new pack that is totally revised, uh, has some new features, uh, yes. some new sculpting elements, some new sound effects. They're calling it a, a deluxe edition or something like that. Yeah, it's, and, um, but at the se- it's a little bit more expensive. It's at a seventy nine ninety nine US uh, price point. I think the old one was like fifty nine or sixty nine. It was like yeah, I was about to say. I think this is about twenty extra bucks over. Yeah. The last, so. Um, so so you're getting the the new hotness for whatever it is the ten twenty dollar upgrade here. Uh, and you can pre-order that now, um, through the spirit Halloween stores. Um, and then at the same time, Ruby's has also introduced a, a whole line of uniforms, uh, mm-hmm. the, new costumes. They all look kind of like the one piece, like disco suits, um, except for, and this is the one that I think is kind of taking the internet by storm. Um, a, I don't know what the best way to describe it is a uh, uniform dress, like a dress uniform. Yep. Uh, kind of reminds me of the World War II, uh, like uh, coveralls with a skirt kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome. Like I, <laughs> I, I know that our, our female listeners are uh, really into it. It is a very cute and a very awesome costume at the exact same time. Does it come with a pack? Shoot. I should have. I don't believe it does. I think it's just the sort of zip up, uh, like jumpsuit skirt uh, combo. Yeah, I'm going a quick look here. No. Uh, prov- provided we're looking at the same one, yeah, it's logo on the uh, where the name tag would normally go, and a big logo on the back. And they have like kind of a the belt as part of it. It's actually yeah. It's a, it's kind of a cute dress. It, um, it reminds me of like when uh, the the Dickies, um, yeah. uh, like work work uh, jumpsuits were being used for um, for yeah. uniforms. They've kind of latched onto that and run with it. I, well, it would not be the first time that uh, a merch uh, manufacturer has <laughs> looked to the looked to what the fans are up to and said we can do that and cheaper. Um, yep. But yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, pick up your battle jackets now yeah, at any Spirit right. Halloween shop. Hey, I blame yeah. you for that one. That's uh, like we we latched onto the the work shirt. Uh, yeah, like I think you were the pioneer of that. I think that is a Chris Stewart trademark, and you should demand reper- Like that's no go, go to it's... litigation. Uh, <laughs> tell- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I may I. What's <laughs> the What's the Futurama thing? Uh, if I wasn't so lazy, I'd argue that I was one of the first, and then you go, uh, but you are lazy. Uh, but you're lazy. Started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, I got pictures with uh, Mr. Brian Fear at you know Comic-Con way back when with my, uh, the stolen one. <laughs> uh. But uh, I, I, I don't really care. What, what, I, what I'm most happy about is that, yeah, now it's a, uh, it's a standard. If uh, if anybody wants to, you know, attend something and go uh, Ghostbuster casual, yeah, they got the. Everybody's got the the shirt. The next step is we're gonna have to casual. I love it. I love it. So I know. Much. Well, see, now I need to shift gears and maybe I need to need to figure out the the battle vest thing, and then start start sporting that around and. Uh, yeah, see where that ends up. Yeah, we're all going to have a Ghostbusters, uh, they don't call them gangs, but they're basically gangs at uh, Disneyland. Everybody's wearing their uh, <laughs> denim vests with uh, 
yeah, you know, the yeah. raise a cult uh, patch on the back. Um, but That's right. uh, so yeah, so so check it out, uh, especially once the the pop up shops start opening up. I'm sure we'll see yep. more things. There are all the little like accessories and and Halloween yep. things that are coming up. Uh, Walmart has some seasonal stuff. Uh, so it's going to be tough for us to track it. Go, go check out your shops, go check out your local stores. And yep. uh, I'm sure there will be tons and tons and tons of ghostbusters merchandise because there's a movie coming out uh, <laughs> around November that they're probably <laughs> trying to anyway. Um, uh, the, the last thing I wanted to touch upon because we haven't talked about it on the show is uh, something near and dear to my heart. Uh, going into your local supermarket, uh, going to the bakery counter, yeah. Pulling uh, the the not laminated, but in just the little plastic protective sleeve uh, a binder that they have up on the counter and picking out a birthday cake and saying, I want Batman. I want Super Mario Brothers. I want yeah. Ghostbusters. And you can go to your local supermarket, maybe, uh, depending on <laughs> where you live, uh, and pick <laughs> out a Ghostbusters Afterlife birthday cake birthday cake now i need to actually you know what doesn't have to be birthday cake could be uh anniversary cake uh, could be uh, uh going away cake, cake. Uh, homecoming cake uh, back could to be, school uh, cake uh it's friday cake <laughs> uh really it's whatever you want it to be it could be the hey everybody we've had a really lousy two years and i deserve <laughs> this cake just for myself for no That's particular right. reason this small sheet cake is yeah. mine cake. Um, yeah. But here, I need to derail this for a second and explain to people how awesome this is because I'm not sure how many people listening, like I think given time-wise and technology-wise, there's a contingent of people who are fans that are, you know, young adults and all that. They were born into the birthday cake era of you could go and what you were getting was, uh, let's not say photo quality, but you were getting <laughs> inkjet printer quality, edible designs on cakes, right? S- so something respectable. And I, I mean that with all due respect to our local bakers in yeah. uh, middle of nowhere, Colorado, who really tried to make the Ghostbusters two logo for me when I was, uh, yeah, well, here's old. the thing after that you could go and you could order up, you know, the door of the Explorer era kids and stuff like that. They, you know, companies had figured out edible, I don't know, sheets of like rice paper or fondant, something or other. And they were literally printing edible inks onto these things and, you know, like cut it, die cutting them out for all intents and purposes. They ship them off to the stores. The stores just make a beautiful cake, yeah. ice it, and then drop this thing on it. And it's fantastic. You and I, however, remember <laughs> the, it was the same thing. You weren't allowed, like, I, that's not true. You, you could go and say, please make a Ghostbusters 2 cake. And yes, they try. But frankly, even if you went to a place that had like the, the booklet and these booklets go way back, a lot of the times it was either little plastic things. And if it had the figures, it usually ended up being awesome. Yes. yes. And I think uh, part of me seems to recall that there might be real Ghostbusters cake toppers, but if you wanted the design, what they were doing is you were getting the official permission and they were sending you like an official, here's how to do the little, uh, uh, yeah. uh dropper. Here's how you use the, the piping, uh, the piping doing thing the, yeah, to approximate. If, <laughs> That's right. You want a Garfield cake? Here's how you draw a Garfield. <laughs> Jim Davis says, go for it. You I hate Mondays. this design. Right? It's licensed. I mean, that was, that was the thing you would go into the store and I know that my mom would say like, he wants a Ghostbusters cake. And because we were in the middle of nowhere, Colorado, they'd be like, I'm not supposed to do this, but okay. 
but now this was like them granting permission to like, you can do the logo, you can do Slimer, you can do the firehouse. <laughs> if you have the right. know how the situativeness. Yeah. I can dial this in exactly for the, for the, the older convention going crowd. It is exactly like going up to your favorite artist and saying, please sketch me a X, Y, Z. And they reach down <laughs> and they pull out a fat chisel tip marker instead of like a fine point pen. And you're like, no. And they make you some big fat line <laughs> there. It's Catwoman. You're like, I can't tell. Right. Like I'm not <laughs> sure. Yeah. But this is, this is the real deal. This is the new, yes. like officially licensed assets. Everybody's cake kind of looks the same. Um, yeah. they do have the plastic figures. I remember telling my mom, like, please, if you're going to get me a birthday cake, it has to have the plastic <laughs> figures or I'm just going to be the laughing stock of like, you can't, you can't do a ghostbusters cake and there's like no figures on top of it. Cause it's going to look terrible. Um, yeah. but, uh, and you wanted I to do, play with the yeah. figures afterwards. That was like having another yeah. gift, uh, that you got to take away. I do like the muncher one. I think that one suit like that one, uh, my sensibilities love that one. Yeah, the they're pretty I'll good. Be... Um, the Muncher Just... one, there's a Logo one, there's an Ecto one. Mm. Ah, you see how I did that? Ah, I didn't even try. That's how <laughs> good I am. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so so go check it out. Uh, it will be a limited time only kind of thing. So if you want to either pre-order or order one of these cakes, go, go check it out now at your local supermarket. Um I think that's everything. Did we hit it? We hit the Halloween. We hit the rubies. We hit the spirits. We hit the yeah. toys. I think that's, I think that's a, pretty much it. Let's talk score. Let's get into sure. it. Sure. Let's do this. Right. So we'll we'll use the the Ghostbusters Afterlife <gasps> score. No. We forgot one thing, what and we I forget? desperately want to put the the mini ghost trap. Oh right. Yes. Please. The mini ghost trap. I have the mini PKE meter. Do you have the pack? They, they did a pack and a PKE, right? Did they do the original pack? They did a. They did a 2016 pack. They did a 2016 pack. Who's? <laughs> I'm not a nerd, but that pack <laughs> is currently. Uh, I have a um, a 12 inch uh, GI Joe like military style uh, doll. Uh, he's done up in World War II era uh, Marine uniform, you know, with the spats and everything. Uh, but a modern helmet. Basically, what I made is like a weird future Ghost Wars uh, <laughs> soldier who's got a sword, which is magical, okay, all right. and a proton pack. And then, he, like, yeah, he's dressed in like uh, he's got like a modern military uh, grenades and sidearm and helmet. But his uniform is World War II Marine, and it's awesome. And one day I'm going to write this story, and it's going to be. A I movie, think you just fanficked your way into it. something there. Yeah, I okay. so did. But anyways, yeah, I, I don't know about. <laughs> I don't think they've done the original movie pack yet. I think they did the PKE first because uh, yeah, it just the PKE was definitely one I remember. Yeah, but now we got the trap, and I mean, unless they're lying to us with the uh, the imagery, it looks like press a button and you know the the trap will open and flashlights at you and all that. So, um, and and yeah. for those of you that aren't, so these are the when you go to Barnes and Noble and you're waiting to check out, there's the like the turn uh, the turnstile <laughs> spinner okay. uh, rack. Okay, start start that sentence over again. I'm gonna uh, and then pause after the name of the store, and I'm gonna translate it into Canadian. Okay? Uh, yes. What's what's Barnes and Noble in in Canadian? 
Indigo chapters. Uh, Indigo chapters, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so, so you go to the bookstore, and, and they have the spinner <laughs> rack. Um, and it's usually like the the little Zen garden, the yeah. little things like that. But but they've started doing little replicas of – there was a PKE meter that came out, I want to say like two years ago now. It's been a really long time. Yeah, um, it's been about two years. I got a, a, a like a Sonic Doctor Who Sonic Screwdriver. Uh, they've done Harry Potter ones, like yeah. just miniature props, like something's along the line. Stocking stuffers, really. I mean, yeah. that's that's what it really amounts to. Is it's it's a great stocking stuffer, but it's very ten detailed to, and very awesome. Yes, and, ten to twelve bucks. It's not very big. Like it's you know maybe like a four by two box or something. They're not terribly big at all, and uh, they are awesome. And yeah. a, a sticker. It always comes with a, a what they call a sticker book, which is frankly. A small sheet of stickers that uh, folded in half and stuck in with the the thing, whatever it is. But whatever, it's uh, yeah. I mean, the, the you just want this to put on your desk or to put on your your shelf or whatever uh, because it's it's a yeah. good conversation piece. It's something to just to fidget with, uh, especially if you're at work and on Zoom calls for nine hours. And you need something. I'm just going to pull out my PKE meter and make this more interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I think you can get that. I, I mentioned Barnes & Noble. We talked about Chapters, uh, Indigo. Uh, Amazon does have it up, I believe, uh, at least here yeah. in the U.S. for pre-order. Um, and, again, like you said, it's it's 10 bucks. It's uh, yeah. it's very small. Again, uh, don't expect a full-size one-to-one no. uh, trap. It's like this it, It's It's literally four inches. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, dropping, like, end of the month. Like, it's it's coming. Yeah. Which which is all the more reason why I want it. I, I know I cut you off on the, the soundtrack, but I'm like, we should probably talk about this now rather than, hey, guess what just came then out today. It's already gone. And yeah, it's so. gone. Yeah. Um, so, and, and there's going to be a lot of little cool things like that too. So we'll, we'll make oh, sure yeah. to, to highlight those as best as we can. Um, all right, so let's, let's do it now. Now we'll segue into the score, uh, portion of the episode here. Now. Um, and it's kind of funny. So let's start with the afterlife stuff and then we'll go into the Ghostbusters okay. two score. Cause I feel like that the heavier amount of conversation will probably happen with the, the Ghostbusters two score. It um, will. And frankly, I'm going to let you lead on this one. Cause I've kind of avoided the afterlife stuff. I'll be so, very frank with you. Like, Oh, totally. And that's totally fine. Uh, because, and, and even when you're, when you're watching the piece that we're, we're going to talk about and you listen to the music, it sounds reminiscent of Ghostbusters, but then mm-hmm. we got the confirmation that it's actually score from Ghostbusters afterlife. And so that's the only reason that it's very noteworthy because it's officially released. It's out there. We can talk about it. Um, so, uh, for those of you who do not know what we're talking about, there was a, uh, recipe video, like one of those taste made kind of, um, you know, here, here's how it at home to create your own, whatever, uh, videos that came out on all of the official Ghostbusters, um, social media, uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. And it was a, uh, mini puffed s'more. Uh, that was created by Jen Fujikawa and uh, go check her out. I think it's just Jen.com. She's Mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, Does a bunch of like nerd cookbooks. If you have the Goldberg's cookbook, she wrote that. If you have the I love Lucy cookbook, (laughs) she wrote that. If you have the, the, well, it's not out yet. There's a star Wars life day cookbook that comes out in November. She wrote that too. She's, she's amazing. Um, I, I adore Jen and I'm not just saying that because she's my friend, but she's also my friend. So I'm also saying that, but, uh, <laughs> Jen is awesome. Go, go check her out. But she did this awesome, uh, s'more video that just happened to have Ghostbusters afterlife score underneath it. 
Mm-hmm. And thanks to Jason Reitman and Rob Simonson being very proud of the work that they've done and probably sitting on their hands for way too long. Yeah. We're very eager to say, Hey guys, that's from the new movie. Uh, confirming things that this might be a theme that works in tandem with the mini puffs. Um, and it's kind of cool to listen to because, well, not only is it very Elmer Bernstein, which we knew, we knew that mm-hmm. was coming. We saw Rob mm-hmm. Simonson on his uh, Instagram playing the sort of Ghostbusters rag on a piano. And, and we knew that they were really going to lean into uh, those motifs, but um, there's a lot of 80s stuff in here. Like it's, if if uh, if Ernie Klein was not writing a book about Ready Player One, he was writing a movie score about Ready Player One. This is kind of what it sounds like because it's this amalgamation of Elmer Bernstein's uh, Ghostbusters score. You've got the uh, oh God, I can never say it out loud, and I'm so sorry. Ondis Martinot, Ondis. The, the very ethereal, everybody thinks that it's a theremin, but it's not a theremin oh, in Ghostbusters. Yes, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's, okay, let's just do this. Let's play a little bit of it here, and then I'll kind of uh, work my way through. I'll, I'll do my best David Collins here. Okay, so here, all right, obviously you've got the Yamaha uh, synthesizer right there. Synthesizer. Definitely Jerry Goldsmith Gremlins right there, right? That kind of like minor plucky keys. <laughs> and then this, this is totally, this sounds like the clock tower sequence, the Alan Silvestri Back to the Future clock tower sequence, right? Silvestri kind of sounding stuff here. There's your Ondas Martinat. Very Alan Silvestri guys there. Yeah, and there, then it just hits this huge crescendo at the end. Like, there's some serious uh, action going on there. Just very cool stuff. Um, I I love it. Again, we're talking about 45, 50 seconds worth of music, maybe. Yeah. uh, In what will probably be an hour or more worth of score uh, in in the film. Um, But it's just, it's kind of fun because... The, the visuals, uh, the filmmaking techniques, everything about Ghostbusters Afterlife is hearkening back to what made Ghostbusters in 1984 what it was. And you kind of get the sense that the soundtrack and the score, at least the score version of, of the soundtrack, uh, is going to be doing the same thing. I don't I mean... It's it's tough. I don't. I know you haven't really like uh, delved into it and, and probably analyzed it the way that I have, but... Uh, Man, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I want to hear the whole score, and I hope we don't have, have to wait 32 years to, <laughs> to hear it. I have a bit of a problem with music in that it it kind of I it kind of gets filed away the same way as like um, watching a movie does for sure. me. So l- literally listening to the score, it 
it'll be gone. Like the surprise will be gone when I go to the movie theater if I if I if I listen to it or listen to it too much right now. So I'm kind of la la la. I'm self la 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 lying on, which on is the, totally fine. And yeah. I, I'm I'm the same way with like when when a new Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie or something that I'm really looking forward to comes out and the score album usually drops like the week of or the week before. Um, the death of Qui-Gon really taught me a few things uh, to, to maybe not jump into the score album quite so fast. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but at, at the same time, like when you leave the theater and something is stuck in your head, like there's an earworm or some sort of melody or some sort of a theme that was a recurring motif throughout the entire movie. And it's just, it's just stuck in your head and you can't get it out that means that it is it made an impact it it put something in your brain where you know uh, i i remember leaving return of the jedi and i had the forest battle theme stuck in my head you know it's the that kind of thing that it's just like it's in your brain and you can't get rid of it and it evokes imagery in it and it um it reminds you of what you saw on the screen uh that you loved yeah so, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife, we haven't seen it yet. I have a feeling the score is going to do that. Um, but this is all a very long-winded, loqua- loquacious way to get us into the Ghostbusters 2 score, which just came out uh, from Sony Masterworks on CD and digital. Uh, will be coming to vinyl in October. Um, and honestly, when I saw Ghostbusters 2, and I have watched Ghostbusters 2, I cannot tell you how many times since it came out in 1989, there are themes in there that I would hum to myself that were stuck in my head. Um, everybody always kind of goes back to that percussive do-do-do-do-do, which only happens like two or three times in the movie. Um, and, and hearing the Ghostbusters 2 score in this format clean without the sound effects because we've had unofficial releases that kind of have like sound effects and some some stuff married to it it really shone a light on just how many themes and how many things were in there that i didn't quite realize were recurring motifs and and how well thought out the ghostbusters 2 score was um so i don't let's just get into it let's let's talk ghostbusters 2 let's do it Let's forget forget Ghostbusters Afterlife. It doesn't come out till November. We got plenty of time to talk about it. Let's talk about Ghostbusters 2, the movie that's been out for 30 plus years. <laughs> so, frankly, Chris, I am surprised at all that this release happened. And you and I have talked about yes. it multiple times. Like, we've heard that the master tapes were lost. Um, and frankly, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend our listening audience who loves the Ghostbusters podcast, but. The, the audience is not quite there for a Ghostbusters 2 score release, uh, uh, to kind of be blunt about it. Um, so it was never one of those things that we thought was on the high priority list of no. any music label. Um, but lo and behold, here it is. Yeah, well, I mean, frankly, I I thought we had an outside chance uh, that it would maybe come out similar to a, um, uh, what was that... Uh, uh, vinegar Sarabond. Oh, I can never remember. How <laughs> of uh, Varese, Varese, Varese Sarabond. Sarabond. Yeah. yeah, the where it was limited to like two thousand copies of the ghost, yeah. the original score that came out. I thought there might be an outside chance that there might be some like, all right, for the super 
soundtrack nerds, here's something. And and that um, album, that CD still is like $200 on eBay. That yeah. one that came out in 98, 99. I don't remember oh, when that no, came no, out. Oh, no, 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 no. It was in the 2000s. Was it 2000s? Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. It was, yeah, that's right. It was post 2000. But it was, uh, it, it, we thought that was as best as we we're going to get. And then, you know, later on, they released uh, a much broader, uh, you know, mainstream release of Elmer Bernstein's score. And, you know, again, we just thought maybe we'll get like a specialty. Yeah. I, you know, because part of me thought, yeah, maybe like one of those little companies might ask, could we please just do the digging, get it all cleaned up and then do like a limited run or something like that? Well, no, it turns out, uh, uh Sony music was happy to give us a, a matched pair with the Elmer Bernstein release yeah. they did. And yeah, so we have, but it's not quite the, there, there's a lot to unpack with this, this, this album. Let's, let's just put it that way. Like, and yeah. I'm still, I'm still parsing through it. Like, I really appreciate uh, that uh, Sony Classical, Sony Masterworks. I, d- I never know which group to. They're all kind of like imprints connected. of the same yeah. like Sony Music Group. So it's like Sony Soundtracks, so thanks, but Sony, Sony Masterworks music. does all of the yeah. classical stuff, and Sony Classical they, also does yeah. the. I don't. It's it's a. They sent from. they sent it so I could have a listen to it early, uh, and uh, why that's a awesome and B still wasn't enough lead time for me to finish same yeah parsing this album uh and that's not to say it's bad don't don't misunderstand what i'm saying here but what i think you and i music aside you and i are going to dive into there's i mean this soundtrack comes with a lot of question marks in and i think it all ties back to as you said the masters were lost i think what we've got is they took you know, it's not the, it's not like the masters were found. I, and I, and I think this is a reason why, you know, Randy Edelman is, you know, was talking about it. So like, how do I put this? I mean, if Elmer Bernstein was alive, he would have been involved in the release of a soundtrack too. Sure. But I, I think there's a lot of evidence in this release that, uh, a lot of this stuff came from him and it came, it's a snapshot of what he created but it wasn't the final movies, uh, you know, what finally yeah. ended up in the movie in a lot of ways. Uh, and I, to that end, I don't know, where do you want to, well, and, and like, that, yeah, I think we can kind of bounce around. I have some, I have some stuff laid out for us here to kind sure. of organize us, but Please. yeah, I think, so let's start with Randy Edelman, who, um, there was a kind of weird, um, interview with him in a car with a few people. I, I can't remember the name of the show and I'm so sorry, but check it out on YouTube. We'll post it in the show notes or something, but um, it, it was done just before the release of this album where he talked about that, uh, Sony reached out to him and said, Hey, we were thinking about doing this. Now is the time the new movie's coming out. Uh, Ghostbusters two, uh, has been something the fans have asked for and the film score, um, market, particularly abroad, but also here with like Mondo on the vinyl releases and things like that, yeah. that are very limited, um, has really been booming. So let's do a Ghostbusters two album. Uh, and he said, okay, good luck. I've always heard that the tapes are missing. Uh, so they went to, uh, Warner brothers, which I know you're going, it's not Warner brothers. It's Sony. No Warner brothers is where they had the scoring stage that they recorded the album and they put all Mm. of the master tapes in the vault at Warner brothers for, you know, I'm guessing at that point in time, if you recorded something there, it went into their, to their mine or to their, to their vault. They went into the Warner brothers vaults 
and found about a half hour's worth of music. 45 minutes, I think, is what he says. Um, and he listened, Elmer, or I'm sorry, Elmer Bernstein, Randy Edelman listened to this and said, great, where's the rest? And they said, no, I don't know. Uh, we don't, we don't know. This is, this is all it was in there. This said Ghostbusters 2 score. And that's, that's all it was there. So he knew that things were missing and big sort of cues, uh, musical, uh, interludes that happen in the movie, uh, were not represented here. So what he Mm -hmm. said he would do is go back into the studio and basically re-record uh, themes uh, to to fill in the gaps. Um, see, so, I missed this interview, so this is all yeah, illuminating to me. I I feel like I feel like I probably summed it up so that you don't have to go seek out this interview. It's a very strange <laughs> interview. Um, everybody, buckle up if you go watch it. Uh, I, I appreciate it. It's like comedians in cars getting coffee, but on LSD. Um, but anyway, so, uh, so, so Randy Edelman says all of this. And then he says, you know, look, I, I went back into the studio and did this by myself because of COVID. So, um, now we know that on these tracks that we'll talk about in a second that he recorded every instrumentation probably that's, that's uh, represented on the track, which also makes sense why it's very heavily piano based because he's a, a pianist. But, um, so, so the big selling points of this album are, there are three, as they're calling them, re-recorded tracks, uh, which we have not heard, which I kind of have started talking as if they're concert arrangements because they're not mm. featured in the movie, but they feature kind of the themes uh, of the movie. Then there's one track, which we'll talk about in a second too, that was recorded uh, for the film, but ultimately not used. So keep that in the, the back of your hat. We'll come back to that one. Um, so let's, let's do this. Let's just step through, uh, things. Maybe I can play some, some little segments here as we talk about them too. So you can kind of hear what we're, what we're discussing. But, um, I think the biggest conversation point, and especially if you go to GB fans, uh, Twitter, the discussion there, Reddit, the discussion there, um, there are some people who are upset with the way that the album was organized. Uh, and and this happened on the Elmer Bernstein release from from Sony proper as well, where they it's it's not in the sequential order that it unfolds in the movie. So you have like Zool and Stay Puff tracks up at the top, and you have um, stuff that you know happens in the library at the bottom of the album. Um, Ghostbusters two kind of does the same thing. It kind of bounces around all over the place, and they take tracks that are segments from like the Scolari brothers, which we'll talk about in a second too. And then they marry like another part of the movie to the end of it. And okay. Well, this leads into something that I was kind of curious about. Cause in listening to this stuff, one of the things I noticed is it feels a lot like he may have God, It's so complicated by the fact that, you know, uh, it's, partially what they found at the studio and then partially what he recreated. uh, This makes it harder to dissect. And only, only three tracks. No, I'm sorry. Level three and a half tracks were re-recorded. Everything else on here is what was originally done. Right. But may have been an alt score or something that's not used in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, there's places where I think in the, the, the sound mix, they kind of, messed with they did some snipping and stuff like that too like so um just to pick a random one um the bit that they used for the start of the movie there's a bit between the the you know the dun dun 
that um and then all all the stuff with Oscar that it feels like they kind of shortened the ominous bit. Yeah. Of like they which is very easy to do. I mean it's not it's it's not it doesn't have a lot of really telltale melody or anything like that. So it's it's very atmospheric. Very easy to kind of do a crossfade, you know, kind of take a bit out and then, you know, stuff it together and crossfade and shorten it up and and I it feels like there's a lot of that in a lot of tracks in places where depending on the edit and in some cases maybe even in other parts of the movie bits were like pulled out and then I I don't know like well, and and that that happens naturally when you're when you're sitting in the dub stage doing the final mix of your movie um you already have the score that's been recorded by the wonderful orchestra at the 20th yeah. Century Fox stages or the Warner Brothers stages but if you're making changes to things yeah. You are limited to what you have there. So there are there's always a music editor that's in there and he's working on certain things and 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 chopping things up or uh, there are also instances where the score is done to a not locked picture. So they're yeah. scoring something and that little like 24 frames was dropped so the music editor has to go in and kind of smooth things out and and lose 24 frames too. So, sometimes in the movie you can hear this stuff uh in uh, other movies, you know, with a good editor, you don't I, I think the the biggest thing, like the the, the thing is, is uh, you have expressed you wanted to do it. I know I definitely want to do it. I'm pretty sure other people are wanting to do it or undertaking it already. We just need to, the trouble is it it takes time because it's all about lining up music to yeah. a you know a, an hour and a half movie, which means uh, several hours worth of work to kind of compare and contrast it's and all tough. that. So yeah, it's so yeah. tough, but. But so so I'm I'm jumping ahead uh, yeah, a little bit. But so the the Scoleri Brothers track, which was the first one released, uh, which we have now had kind of in our pockets for, let's say about a three weeks at this point. Four. It weeks? was the it was the sampler one that you know if you you went to yeah. Apple for example, um, uh, everything was grayed out except that one. Like, I, I, there was that that momentary like oh my god there's a, a Ghostbusters two score and I can listen to it so that you had to get that initial shock to wear off before you could start to analyze it but this particular cue um, is the one that I want to line up David Collins st- uh, style David W Collins who does the soundtrack show because it's it's partially the Scolari brothers the courtroom battle yeah. scene at the very beginning. Um, and then there's this cue at the very end. It's like the last 45 seconds um, that starts with the do 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 that part, yeah. and then goes into the Ray Parker Jr. theme song, which we never heard orchestrated anywhere in the entire film. Right. And all of us were like, "What the hell is this? Where did this come from? How come this was not used anywhere?" And I think I figured it out. And if everybody will indulge me just for a second. <laughs> um, so if you are, uh, when, when the Ghostbusters are in front of the museum, uh, at the Ecto one, a, they're talking about, uh, Vigo being, uh, you know, uh, disemboweled, strung up, yeah. uh, stretched that, that whole moment, wasn't he also Vigo the butch, um, that, that whole sequence, I think is what you hear that sort of like percussive thing is one-to-one what it was. And then when they enter the museum and we do the suck in the guts guys were the Ghostbusters, that's supposed to be that that phrase of the Ray Parker Jr. theme song that uh. we hear. And I think two things happened. Number one, oh, Bill Murray kid. had the line suck in the guts guys were the Ghostbusters and you hear the guys go, <gasps> you know, 
that's dialogue that when you have this big musical cue, it's burying that dialogue. So you can't yeah. have this awesome, triumphant, heroic thing of the da 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 uh, with a, a line of dialogue. Um, and then I also think that maybe when they were in the final mix and they were sitting there going, you know, like this is a heroic moment and the music sounds heroic, but the comedy is in the fact that they're not heroes. They're having to suck in their pot bellies. Like the music is kind of working against the joke here. So what they've done is they've taken from the very end of the film and you hear it in the Liberty, uh, cue when, uh, they, they repel into the museum of fine art, that Mm -hmm. fanfare is what they have kind of pulled from that and put into that spot uh, for suck in the guts guys were the ghostbusters. But because we are now listening to the raw recordings that were done on the Warner brothers scoring stage, we don't hear that music at it. We're hearing the way it was recorded and it's kind of awesome now to yeah. hear like, Oh, yeah. that's what they thought they could do. And they actually thought about what um, Thomas uh, uh, Theodore Shapiro did in ghostbusters answer the call where the, orchestra was hitting that Ray Parker Jr. theme song and it got cut out of the movie. You're short. All right. So let's try this. Humor me for a second here. Let's let's cue up the scene. And I'm just going to play it the way that you hear it in the movie first. Here we go. Did you find anything at Dana's? Uh, nothing but some boot slime residue around the bathtub. But I did get something on that Vigo character you mentioned. Found it in Leon Zundinger's Magicians, Martyrs, and Madmen. Dig that. Yeah, Vigo the Carpathian, born 1505, died 1610. 105 years old. He hung in there, didn't he? Didn't die of old age either. He's poisoned, stabbed, shot, hung, stretched, disemboweled, drawn, and quartered. Ouch. I guess we'll do Papa at the end. No, not exactly a man of the people. Also known as Vigo the Cruel, Vigo the Torturer, Vigo the Despised, and Vigo the Unholy. Wasn't he also Vigo the Butch? And dig this, there was a prophecy. Just before his head died. His last words were, death is but a door, time is but a window, I'll be back. I'd suck in the guts, guys, with the Ghostbusters. No! No, please go, you! Who's this Wiggler? He's yours, Ray, sick him. I have discussed Hi, the interior now. Hi, how are you? Ray Stats from the Ghostbusters. Can nice I tell to you, you when I told your friend? Yeah, I'm glad you're here. We're just doing a routine spook check. If Dr. Reitman then is not here. Yeah, we know that, Johnny. So why are you coming? Well, we got a report there was a major creep in the area. We checked our list and you were right on the top. Johnny, where in the hell are you from, anyway? The Upper West Side. out of sync, but it's pretty close right here. You find anything at Dana's? Uh, nothing but some boot slime residue around the bathtub. But I did get something on that Vigo character you mentioned. Found it in Leon Zundinger's Magicians, Martyrs, and Mad Men. Dig that. Yeah, Vigo the Carpathian, born 1505, died 1610. This right here is identical to how it appears on school. Didn't die of old age either. He's poisoned, stabbed, shot, hung, stretched, disemboweled, drawn, and quartered. Ouch. I guess we'll do popular at the end. No, not exactly a man okay, of the people. We're missing also some stuff Vigo here. This cruel, must be an ad lib that Vigo the despised, they added back Vigo in. The unholy. Wasn't he score. also Vigo the Butch? But now listen to this. This, this is pretty close. Prophecy. Here we go. Just before his head died. His last words were, death is but a door, time is but a window, I'll be back. 
suck in the guts, guys, with the Ghostbusters. So it works, and I think even there's that little valley in between the phrases of the Ray Parker Jr. theme for the suck on the guts guys with the Ghostbusters. It just, I think, I think that's exactly what happened. I stand, I rest my case. The defense rests, Your Honor. Yeah, well. I mean, other examples here. Um, so there's one, uh, where is it here? Oscar is quietly surrounded. Where is that from? Like, well, that's one of the new, okay. So it's one I, of the, it's one of the new ones. Yeah. But here's, the, here's the thing. Somebody suggested, and I, I should have written the name down. I really apologize, but somebody pointed out that they, th- they seem to recall that in an earlier script, I went to, I went to shout out to, to Mr. Paul Rudolph at, uh, at uh, Spook Central there, uh, I was checking out his, none of them seem to be sufficiently old. It's probably the one that he references, uh, sometimes with this, when he's listing old scripts, sometimes it's just a summary of what we've heard about it. It sounds like maybe in one of the scripts that he doesn't have a copy of. Um, uh, anyway, somebody seemed to recall that at one, uh, at one point, uh, in the movie, there was supposed to be the uh, toys coming to life. In, oh, in right, Oscar's room right. and moving around him. Uh, so they suggested that this may have been, but then that begs the question, was that something they shot? And again, does it mean they shot it and he recorded for it, but they just never, like, we all know that there's a few shots in this movie that, um, they filmed and then just walked away from, like, there's no effects yeah. reference for them whatsoever. Like the, uh, Lewis, uh, hunting Slimer and the fire hall and all that. So, this is the, th- you know what? I think I'm mad at this soundtrack because I think all they gave us is more mysteries. <laughs> more they mysteries. answered nothing. Well, so, so but it's exciting. It's super exciting. It's super exciting. Let's let's shed. So uh, instead of perpetuating the mysteries, mm. um, let's let's shed some light on on the facts that we have in front of okay. us at least. So there were three cues that were completely re-recorded for this album, plus part of another one. So the three cues. Um, that were re-recorded were Vankman's Sixth Avenue Strut, the sensitive side of Dana, and Oscar is quietly surrounded. Um, then they also re-recorded part of the finale, the the family portrait and finale that that ends up at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my thinking behind that is, if you listen to Vankman's Sixth Avenue Strut and 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 also the sensitive side of Dana, those two cues sound like concert arrangements. Like the 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 single versions. If you listen to the Ghostbusters uh, score, or I'm sorry, the Ghostbusters soundtrack that you have had in your hands since 1984, that has Dana's theme and the Ghostbusters theme on it, they are particularly arranged and composed singles that you could put onto an album. So I'm thinking because they, they, when I reached out to Sony Masterworks, uh, Danny over there was very kind uh, to point out that when I said that it was a new recording, she said, no, 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 it is re-recorded. And I think what happened was these three cues, Vankman, Sixth Avenue Strut, The Sensitive Side of Dana, and Oscar is Quietly Surrounded, um, when Randy Edelman was writing the score, he and his uh, composers and, and his transcribers put these together as singles that could have gone on the soundtrack. Uh, and if you go back to his car interview that I was referencing earlier, uh, where he kind of sounds a little bitter about certain things that none of his music was on the actual soundtrack album. 
Mm-hmm. I think he actually wrote these to be put onto the the album much in the same way that Elmer Bernstein's Dana's theme right. and Ghostbusters theme were on there. So they well, act like the, as yeah. It's themes from the movie, but they're also singles that have been arranged to have a, a beginning, middle, and an end. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's not on like John Williams has done it for also the Imperial March comes to mind. You know, there's a concert arrangement of the Imperial March that uh, he's performed for mm-hmm. years, for decades. Um, so I, I think that's that's what happened with those three cues. Uh, and then the finale cue, um, if you listen to it, the music edit in the album occurs right at the moment that you hear the choir go, Ghostbusters, and then Ray Parker Jr.'s theme kicks in. Um, I think because they were going for sort of an album listening experience, that's a really weird, unfinished note to end on. And if you're doing, that's the finale of the album. Yeah. You have this sort of like up note that never goes down. Uh, so I think Randy Edelman went in and said, Hey, let me build this bridge that kind of closes things out, has a nice heartfelt rendition of what I call the heroes theme, the ghostbusters heroes theme. Um, and then they use part of the end credits theme that ends the actual film that like big fanfare that is at the very end of the end credits. Um, so all of this is to say, I think that this album has been put together for an album listening experience. This is not the mm-hmm. complete, nobody is no. claiming that this is the complete and unedited version of the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. Um, this is something that is in, intended for us to listen to from start to finish. And they have kind of lumped things that are thematically similar to each other. Like the, um, uh, good with kids, I think is the name of the cue. I wish I had the cues in front of me. I should have grabbed the album. Um, I have it. Let me see if I can find it here. Great. It's like good with kids or great with kids. It's toward the end. Yeah. Good, good with kids, but it, it takes all of the same sort of like bouncy, uh, moments that, you know, like when they're doing the, the sweeps, the valent sweeps of Oscar's room and, um, uh, Peter is putting the baby down, like all of those kind of like bouncy things that are kind of three men and a baby ish. They're all lumped into one track. Um, because as an album listening experience, you're hearing this song and it's got a melody and it's, it's very similar. Um, I I think that that's what they did. I know that it's maddening to people. I've seen, uh, there's a guy on GB fans who has said like, okay, cut out from 25 seconds to 49 seconds, rename it this and add it to track four. Like there are people that are trying to put these puzzle pieces together to put yeah. it into film sequence order. I suspect it as much. I, I I will outright apologize to people because I know I'm talking in very, <laughs> I have not dived into this. I've barely been able to dive into what I've been given to listen to, let alone diving in. I, I Let's put it this way. I made time to go through uh, your post on Ghostbusters HQ. And that's about as far as I got. So I had my suspicions that there must be people doing this. Uh, well, mostly because the last time we had a, a album come out, uh, much similar to this one, uh, the order was weird. So some guy went on Spotify and just uh, and, rearranged everything and, rearranged and added it. in the stuff that yeah. was, the, you know, the the pop tracks that were missing and all that. So I knew somebody must be uh, going through this. Uh, that's not going to stop me from like listening to it and comparing myself. But uh, it, um, yeah, I, I'm still as as we're talking here, humming and hawing. Uh, Venkman's six Avenue strut. 
I'm still trying to figure out that opening seven seconds or whatever, the, the couple of bars there that got used in the movie somewhere. And I'm trying to remember where before it kicks into like the full song, there's just the lone piano for a it's, couple of bars. I think there are, are edits there that are, are pulled from like, I, yeah. I bet he had like a little couple of bars that, um, yeah, it, it, that you could use from somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's and very interesting. It's a very interesting. Uh, I'm telling. I made the joke when I got my hands on it. That opening two bars, I, I'm turning into my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> like I am not kidding. I'm turning that into my ringtone for my phone. And is quite possibly the most New Yorky track in this whole, like this whole uh, soundtrack. I, I, a lot of it uh, matches Ghostbusters very well. I think more than people give it credit for. But uh, yeah, and, that, and it's very Bill Murray. I mean, it's uh, all these composers want to write. School. Well, here I'll, I'll play that just first couple of seconds for everybody. Here, oh, just here's, do it. Yeah, here's here's that uh, opening few bars of of Venkman Sixth Avenue Strut. prince <laughs> like you, you it it has to be like moments like that that he's probably either taken the sheet music from and either played it on his piano or it is taken straight from the movie yeah is that the part that they used it in oh well, that's oh, my thought oh my god she cleaned like that, that's, that's what it sounds uh, like to me yeah okay hang on i've been done i've been trying to figure it out <laughs> uh the other thing i love about it too is that it unintentionally it's it's just one of those weird coincidences that it sounds like a like you could have pulled that track out where you're like yes that is that is Bill Murray in Ghostbusters two, and then years later you could have slapped it into the soundtrack for yes that is Garfield the movie voiced by Bill Murray <laughs> and nobody would have noticed like it matches both of them so well, you know what's funny well. is I thought this was like his upbeat answer to, because it's very reminiscent of the rag that Elmer Bernstein wrote for Bill Murray and stripes. Do 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 like it's that like Bill Murray and stripes as John Winger, very down on his luck. Peter Venkman, you know, he's got his awesome apartment in New York city and he's got his own TV show and he's a ghostbuster. And like, this is kind of a more up-tempo upbeat version. That's uh, you know, not in a minor key, but so anyway, yeah, it's it's awesome to have uh, these now to listen to and, and to talk about. But I want to be mindful of time. Uh, you want to be my, yeah, sorry. I, I'm listening to it as we talk here. And that uh, Dana, your prince is not it. it they, they're running uh, that little bit of Dana theme. Is, uh, oh, that's true. Okay, see, all shoot. that's going to happen is you and I are going to wrap this up. And then I'm just going to go upstairs and watch the movie again. Well, there, there is a moment in there that I'm pretty sure that they pulled and they used for the, you know, uh, the, the cockroach population is surging uh, moment. Yeah. Uh, all you can eat rib night at the sizzler. Um, but anyway, so. There is one mystery cue that this is, I want to save enough time for you and I to talk about this. This is the one that has been recorded on the soundstage on, on the recording scoring stage uh, for Ghostbusters two originally in 1989. Mm. 
and was not used. Mm. And it's called one leaky sewer faucet. Mm -hmm. Uh, So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to play a little bit of this because it is so wildly different from anything that's in the movie that's on the album. Um, It is such a weird outlier. So here I'll, I'll just play just a section of it. And then you and I can talk about a, what it sounds like and b where the hell we think it came from. So here's one leaky sewer faucet, just, just a little hint. It's like Danny Elfman, Men in Black, but like kind of yeah. plucky, like it's a comedic moment. I, I you you mentioned the the earlier uh, scripts where there was a moment when uh, Oscar was going to be attacked by possessed toys. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was something that was written for something that never ended up being filmed or maybe was filmed like Lewis and Slimer's interactions, like him trying to trap Slimer while he's eating the lunchbox. Maybe Uh, I have a, a, a a loose hunch and I think it might've been for, um, like either the, um, when they go down into the sewer uh, or when the, the, before they, um, when they're down in the, uh, when the ghost train comes by, like, I f- feel like somewhere in there it was written, but like they tonally, they didn't think it fit. So they needed it to go someplace else. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not discounting a totally different sequence that happened in the, the tunnel. Roughly around they those. Got, yeah. yeah. Like there, it. I mean, it says right there, it references the sewers. So that's kind of a dead giveaway there. But, uh, um, because somebody referenced that they thought that this was a, 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 a track that was written for Flip City to replace, like, before Glenn Fry wrote uh, the Flip City cue that was dropped in there, like, this was the kind of like madcap. Um, Elmer Bernstein has his All Hell Breaks Loose, uh, cue that was completely, uh, cut from the movie, too. Right. But I, 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 did my best David W. Collins and it doesn't line up with anything in that sequence. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so it's just, you're right. The, the leaky sewer faucet moment makes me think like it, it was something either. Yeah. When they're exploring the, the transit tunnels, the, maybe the bathtub sequence was supposed to I be was funny. I was to say, exactly. I, I, the other thing that came to mind was the only time we actually see a faucet and it's spouting slime is, yeah, when she's bathing the baby. <laughs> and it's quite possible that in their head they're like, and it's funny because the bathtub like moves around and, and it's like a puppet. And, and somebody went, no, it's trying to eat a baby. That's really kind of horrifying. horrifying. Not that to mention to that. Like a- uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Bernard Herrmann psycho theme there. Um, that's, that's what studio exec sounded like in 1988. That's what they sound like now. And not only that, but Sigourney Weaver is, you know, doing her best, uh, scream queen there 
uh, for that whole scene. It's like wacky is not going to suit there at all. But I mean, there's things that kind of like the bit with the ghost train. I recall the sequence was way different. Like that's one where I, 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 God, it's going to take so long to go back and try to find stuff. But I seem to recall that that sequence was almost semi improvised. Like, remember, like they, they, they couldn't shoot in a particular place or something. And, or like the heads that the, the bit where they like, you know, they're turning around and there's heads on spikes. Like that's, that was just sort of like a, a pulled out of their butt with the, the prop and the effects department. <laughs> to like that, do that was all like two very different shoots on two very different days. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it, it, it makes me wonder if they didn't have something else going on that, that, uh, that, <laughs> and that would make sense. Cause I know that that, that sequence has been like, if you look at the most recent Steelbook uh, Blu-ray that came out with the deleted scenes on it, there is the, yeah. um, the original version of the guys showing up in the, the yellow raincoats, um, to Dana's apartment and they're actually up in the apartment and there's a whole sequence and stuff and, and, and things that were filmed in there and scripted in there that they completely redid. Yeah. Um, so it, re- it's possible that this was a completely different sequence and there's didn't the, test the, well or didn't work well and they the went whole, and reshot yeah, it or the whole ghost train sequence ends with them, uh, walking into it like, well, essentially to the same train station that he'd, <laughs> So it was a, it was a, it was a uh, nice bit of uh, serendipity that they managed to find the exact pla- place that <laughs> Ray repel, yeah, repelled into, but it was the river of slime. So it's quite possible that yeah. they had written as a lead up to that. Like, like for example, they could have had a whole thing where they're like, we're on the right track. Cause you know, look, little bits of slime or like, like a. I, I, I don't, I don't know, but it they had feels a whole like Scooby-Doo maybe, sequence that we never saw. Yeah. But it was a bit more lightheart, and again they set like which would explain why that whole ghost train thing was vaguely slapdash, in not a bad way, but as we've heard, was kind of we. I gotta find where it's referenced, but it did sound like that they did a, oh we had to change, so we did the best we could and threw a bunch of stuff together. Like it, they may have decided that whole sequence is like, why are we doing funny here? Like we actually need like a. We, we need like some buildup, uh, that leads to the, 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 you know, the tension of them jumping into the river and then climbing out in, in covered in slime and fighting with one another. And then the, you know, the laughs of going to the restaurant and I want to say you know, it was slime. either in, was it Cinefix or maybe it was on the commentary where they talk about the, the heads that were on the spikes. That was the slapdash part because they were just trying to pull whatever like ghoul masks they could find right. in their repertoire to just put on these spikes. And, uh, but why was it slapdash is what I'm wondering. Yeah. Like is, was, was there something else planned and it wasn't working? Cause I remember that bit was also filmed, not in a, it wasn't a soundstage, was it? It was like they found like a loading dock or something. Yeah, yeah. It just said, just the heads do. on the spikes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I boy, it's gonna it's gonna take some time to come. Someday, it's gonna take a when lot somebody of writes the that's right, Rinsler, rest in peace. Uh, the Rinsler <laughs> making of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two, maybe we'll Ooh. know. But uh, but really great track. Uh, again, it's it's fun to imagine where the heck it would have went in the movie, but. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say the crazy thing is it's a great bookend to what we talked about with the Ghostbusters Afterlife queue, Mm. which is this kind of gremlins, plucky, mischievous uh, queue 
that was written for Ghostbusters 2, and I don't quite know where it goes, but now that we're listening to music from, from Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's like, oh, they kind of are interesting mirror images to one another. Uh, that yeah. This cue, one leaky sewer faucet, is kind of like a prototype precursor to what we think <laughs> we're going to be hearing when we see the mini puffs, uh, you know, burning shit to the ground. So yeah. it's... I don't know. It's just, it's so much fun. I feel like we could talk, we've been at it for now, uh, you know, a good hour here. Yes. Let's point out the most important part about this release. Yes. Ghostbusters Resurrection has a whole new catalog of background (laughs) music. The fan films and everybody has so much more so that they don't have to use it. The race is on to use it. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, yeah, so it's very cool to have this in hand. I know that there are, uh, nitpicks and I know a lot of people have, uh, criticisms and critiques, which are, are justified, but at the same time, like this is a release that was not supposed to happen. This was the, um, oh my God, we burned all of the tapes for alien three because it was such an embarrassment. Uh, we're never going to release them. Hey, here's the alien three tapes. Um, so I, I think, um, this is sort of like a, a dark horse that should not have, uh, uh, pulled through and here it is. And we have it now that we can yeah. enjoy. Um, and, uh, beggars should not be choosers. In I was some about instances. to say no complaints. Come on guys. Yeah. Um, this I, album I mean, should not exist in any form, frankly, like no, it and would... it's, there's stuff that's not in here that you can still go back and watch the movie and try to figure out how they clutched it together from what is in here yeah. uh, in the music edits. Um, let's, let's be very frank here for the, it is. So what are we at now? 89. So 32 years, 30. Yeah. 32 years. Yeah, is that 32. right? Yeah. For Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah. Like movies and their soundtracks having been, and let's be fair here, ignored for a couple of decades, there's no reason we should have been able to get what we got out of this. Like if, yeah. if you reversed it the other way and we were in the eighties or the nineties and somebody said, Hey, that movie from the sixties that we ignored for 20 years, got a soundtrack for it. Those <laughs> things are borderline <laughs> archeological undertakings yeah. to when they finally release it. And sometimes it takes what you get, right? Like they, they have to do a lot of work to clean up a bad recording, like, um, uh, a demo tape finds of, of, of lost albums by bands and stuff like that. And they do their best to process some crappy four track to get you as best. Like you're, you're explaining the Alessi brothers, what they did for the saving the day cues. If you go to the Alessi brothers uh, website, because we have all been asking them for 30 damn years, like, can yeah. you release the version that's in the movie that has like the little choir thing and the the trumpet thing and and let's uh, be f- perfect example. All they had was the original like <laughs> magnetic tape recordings, and magnetic tape recordings are not designed to like be kind of put away and stored haphazardly no. that way, right? Yeah. Like, so they had to bake those tapes, uh, which is the process that they use to uh-huh. like basically desolidify them because they all just melt together basically. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean that, that's, <sighs> I, I think that's kind of what has happened here with Ghostbusters too, is, is yep. they had to go back to the vaults. They didn't have all of the tapes, uh, the tapes that they had, they did their best to restore them. And, and people have mentioned, I hear tape hiss. I hear, uh, uh, damage and degradation. There's some, some, um, uh, some cues yep. that sound a little compressed and it's like, 
I don't know. You, you're only as good as what you're dealing with in the source material. Yeah. And if they don't have not, the good source material, they, they can't do anything about it. It should so. not, have, it should not have sounded as good as it did. Like, I'll be frank with you. And, and yeah. as a bonus, the, the, the composer is still with us. So he was actually able to go back and, you know, um, modernly recreate some of the stuff that was absent and, you know, like we didn't have that option with, with Elmer, right? Like he, Bernstein passed away so long ago yeah. that by the time even the, 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 uh, the, the Sarah band, I can never remember the V part. <laughs> it's Varese Sarah I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to diss that company at all because they put out great stuff, but for whatever reason in my brain, the V word doesn't stick and Sarah band does, but anyway, <laughs> VS, the VS, um, you know, he was, he was gone even by the time that recording came out, yeah. right? Like we could not go to him. We're lucky that his son was involved in, in any way, shape or form so that we were able to, you know, he, he was able to be plugged into the, uh, the, the live performances and, you know, the, the more recent, uh, uh, the non VS release of the soundtrack. <laughs> and again, which people complain, oh, it's all out of order. It's like, again, this is being aimed not at movie soundtrack nerds. They're trying to get as much of, you know, more of a broader mainstream yeah. audience in there so they've arranged them in such a way that the minute you press play on the first track you're like this is good i'm gonna listen to more well, right especially like, that that sony that release when you listen to it on vinyl it makes a whole lot of sense when you flip over to side b it's a complete album side and then when you yeah. flip over to the other uh to side c it's like that's a full it's, album side so. it's the same thing here starting with that the what track was it here uh la 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 not the Come on here. It was right. Well, it starts out with the kind of overture, which is Baby, a few friends if, save no, Manhattan. No. Yeah. Right. But if they had started with a baby carriage meets heavy traffic, <laughs> fans would have loved it. Cause we know what the, but that's like 15 seconds of like this ominous note and like, <laughs> you know, kettle drums yeah. or whatever sort of thing. It's like, if you were the average person, you were like, uh, skip, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going uh, to something else. Yeah. I, I just paid $40 for this on Mondo and it's just like percussive Mickey mousing for the movie. Ah, man, what did I right? do? Yeah. So they shuffled it around in a way to, we will we'll make, you know what? What do we need to worry about? Whatever guy rearranged the, the, the first movie soundtrack on Spotify playlist, he's probably going to do the same thing here. <laughs> like if you want to, if you want it a certain way, go and do it yourself. It's the same thing. Right. I tell my three-year-old, if you don't want me to do things a certain way, just do it yourself. Um, and, and I like that we got stuff that we didn't expect to get. I feel that yeah. that is an excellent trade-off for the stuff that was lost. And for their kind of marketing discussion, shuffling of tracks and stuff like that, uh, I'll take I'll take the totally. stuff. You know, why why are we celebrating DVDs that come out with cutscenes and not celebrating a soundtrack that gave us tracks that we never heard in the movie? Like it's, and, and reveal things about the movie that we never. That's what you and I always adore to do with with these <gasps> movies is find things that we never knew about them um, and and keep kind of peeling away at things and and doing that archaeological dig where you just brush this little bit of sand away yep. and you go, oh my god, that's been there this whole time. I have no idea. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so, uh, so just a, a real quick closer here to this discussion, and I'm sure we can come back to this uh, again at a, at a later point. But um, one of the things that Randy Edelman said was also holding this album release up, uh, in addition to the fact that they didn't have the master tapes, um, 
was that they hadn't figured out the reuse fees for the orchestra. Um, because oh. the way that things work when you when you come to score a, yep. a film, you are paid to score the film. And you are a, a very talented musician who has been doing this for years. And you come in and there are union rules where you can only work for certain amounts of time and blah, blah, blah. Yep. But anyway, so they are there to, to f- uh, record stuff that is specifically for use in the film in context. As soon as it is used for a different use, say you take Elmer Bernstein's music and you use it in a video game, that's a different use. Uh, say you want to release a VS, Varese Saraband, release of the, <laughs> the score, and you're going to make money off of it. That's another use. Uh, so when you and have you, an orchestra that comes yeah. in, they have to get paid for that. It's the same Union sort of rules residuals. Say, that, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, actors it's, have to get paid for their work. The same we, thing we, with these musicians. musicians. Yeah, we, we've talked about this before. I've talked about this as a reason why a lot of classic CBC stuff is still not available, uh, like any sort of home video format or anything, like never got yeah. released, uh, is because, yeah, under, you know, Canadian union rules with the, the, the people who scored the music and all that, yeah, they got to get paid sort of thing. And I, when this came out, I, like I, I, I went digging on the Sony classical site and stuff like that. They had listings, uh, for this, um, not this specific album, but for the specific, um, movie and they listed the credits, 200 musicians yeah. were used for this score. So yeah, if you can imagine that it's. If the, if it's not quite clear what needs to be paid to who for how much for when and all this sort of thing, yeah, that's two hundred people and, that rightfully need to get paid. But that's well, and, the, and think about it this way too: uh, thirty-two years ago, you worked a job uh, that probably lasted five days. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, uh, do you have time cards from work that you did? <laughs> 32 years ago. No, probably not. So I, I would imagine this was before they had digital uh, file archives. This was yeah. before they were putting stuff um, in, in music uh, libraries and archives. I bet they had to do just as much forensics work on figuring out who all of the session musicians were that sat yeah. down and recorded this. Uh, as they did to find the tapes and restore them and and remaster them. What what um, percentage of two hundred musicians that recorded in nineteen eighty eight are still working performers today that are hooked up to the union? Right, like people get married, people move away, people die, people uh, stop doing session musician work and start teaching music, and they're you know they're not attached to the union yeah. anymore. Which means the union goes, well, we need to pay this person we don't have any contact information for them. That's update. Like, but you still need to like make you, here's the thing. Due diligence. You have to, you have to try. You legally have to do your very best to go find them and try to pay them that money. Because if they ever then go, wait a minute, you owe me money. You need to be able to say, well, Hey, at that point you're like, you're right. And here's the check that we tried to give you. Like, and we, we tried our very best. Uh, and here you go. Thank you. Have a good day. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to release an album and have 200 names that have not been paid. Not yet, been right? paid, so. yeah. And and uh, so, I mean, th- this was kind of a, a big revelation to me, too, because we mm. all said, oh, my God, they lost the master tapes. That's why uh, this, this album has never come out. If they don't have the master tapes, there's a pretty good chance they don't have a call sheet or a contact sheet or yep. time cards or any of the paper documents that are probably in a banker's box that have 
turned to dust somewhere (laughs) um, that, that they were able to go back and and reference. So, um, so again, I don't want to belabor the, 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 the just don't complain about stuff, but at the same time, don't complain about this. Like this was a lot of work for a, a team of people that if you look in the liner notes is like five people. So this was a lot of work for them to, to <laughs> we're, do. Um, we're living in a magical time that a movie can be 35 years old and we're still, uh, well, not we, they're still finding stuff and yeah. they're still serving it up to us. Like I'm thinking about the footage they showed up, you know, they went into the salt mines there for storage, dug up a bunch of old stuff and, you know, shared it with us. That's not the way things used to work. No. Right? Like it, the films were supposed to be, <laughs> we should have been thankful from the minute they started like putting things on home video in like the mid eighties. Right. Cause movies were supposed to come out and then go away. And if we were lucky, maybe years later it yeah, would show up revival, in the theater again. Uh, yeah. Or there'd be a crappy version shown on television every once in a while. We were not, these things were never created with us being able to like watch it in high definition. And that's the other thing, right? The reason we're watching it in, you know, 1080p or, you know, 4k, you know, on the giant wall screen that we have because we live in the future and we've, we're, we forgot, we forgot about it sometimes. The only reason we have that is because these studios went back and said, you know, if they could find it, went back, like Ivan Reitman went back and remastered like uh, copies of the movie. So we could have a better one than, you know, we were supposed to live in a world where we were watching that VHS tape that we watched a million times over and over and over again. And I I don't know. And that was it. They didn't, they weren't thinking 30 years in the future where, you know, I'm sure that whoever the archivist was that was there was like, what's this ghostbusters two? Nah, they're never going to come back to this. Uh, throw it in the back of the room and it's still sitting in a corner somewhere and we'll find it 30 more years from now. But all, all I can think of is like, uh, like Dr. Who is still a a treasure hunt to this day in the UK in that lost episodes, lost episodes episodes because they never kept there's, there's, there's roadways in the UK that if you dug it up, you might be able to find a copy. (laughs) Uh, but every once in a while, some regional, you know, manager has the film copy that they were playing and he took it home and it's in his, you know, attic for years and they find it, but it's only like two thirds of it. And the fans, yes, there's disappointment. We didn't find, you know, we were, it, it, it wasn't all there, but they're just so happy that they thought it was lost. And frankly, yeah, you got two thirds two, of it. Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack kind of fell into that category for the longest time. It was like, are we ever going to hear this? And if we like, we've spent so much time just perfectly happy with the guy who managed to like, what was it? The laser disc to uh, strip yeah. out the music track that had the sound effects on top Pulled of it. So out there's the five, one, uh, music and effects track as best as they could. As best and, as they could. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? Sure. Not bad. Yeah. I'll take it. I can I'll still hear it. the music. Yeah. I don't um, know. Some days I feel like I, I, I'm part of the generation that happily recorded stuff onto tape, which means the movie had to be like cut in half on, <laughs> and I was happy enough with that. Yeah. And it's somebody complaining like, why don't, uh, I don't know. My anyway, back to the I'm, future soundtrack was my dictaphone up to the TV. You're right. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyways, so yeah. So anyway, so you're right. We're living in a magical time. Everybody we're talking about a Ghostbusters two soundtrack that was released. Uh, you can go get a Ghostbusters cake at your supermarket. There's a movie right? coming out in November. There are toys on the shelves at any, uh, target, Walmart, uh, whatever store is near you. You can put on a Ghostbusters dress, man or woman, march down uh, to the IGA or, 
get your yeah. it's Friday cake, sheet cake. It's ah. So so try to enjoy it. It's don't, like don't be age. the person that's like, <laughs> this is not going to happen again. So just enjoy it for, for a second or two. Please. Oh, you know what? Be Ted Lasso. Believe. Believe. Just believe. And be a goldfish. Forget that thing at the beginning of the show. <laughs> don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call in line is 4702 GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. All right, Chris, well, you alluded to it uh, earlier in the episode. I have a feeling I know what your final thought is. Ah, I got a, I got two. Okay, yeah, hit us. What you got? Uh, one is, is it, again, we've talked about it before. If you're not a Patreon fan of Ghostbusters Resurrection, uh, go do it, because I got an update from them today. Um, there's, there, uh, I don't want to say what it is. Because uh, once it's done and available, or should they be looking for uh, crowdfunding money, then I'll, I'll talk it up a bit more. But let's just say um, they're they're talking about releasing some new stuff uh, similar to some of the uh, the items the the that to, to make your home game that much better. They're updating it and expanding on some of that stuff and. Uh, or if you listen to our two-parter of you and I uh, peacocking yeah. our way around New York, <laughs> maybe some of the stuff we played around with in that game might Ooh. be involved. I don't know. I, can't, I haven't some confirmed that, yet. Some but. of that equipment. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh. So but I don't want to get into it because, A, I'm missing half the details and I just literally read it today. And, B, uh, the, it's, an, it's a newsletter they send it to people who give them money. So I'm not going to. I'm not that guy. I'm not copying, no, copying the, the New York Post article. But you know what? Uh, go go pay for your five bucks and read it yourself. Or hang on until we know more and it's public, and we'll we'll be pushing you then to to go drop some money on them to buy some stuff. But that's 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 thing one. So there's final thought. Uh, if you're not listening to Ghostbusters Resurrection, or uh, even better, following them on Patreon, uh, go do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of a group that kind of got derailed a little bit thanks to the pandemic, you think yeah. all the time in the world, and uh, not so much because there's getting yeah. people together. Uh, so that's been on hold for a little while. But uh, the main thing was, and you you referenced it in the middle there. I just shout out to uh, Mr. Jason Fitzsimmons there, who uh, had some big news, and a lot of people. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're like, Bill Murray's at your house? New trailer? Like, what could it be? Um, uh, but it was very, it was more personal to him. He announced he he quit his day job. You know, when people are like, hey, great uh, Ghostbusters news site there, pal, don't quit your day job. Uh, he quit his day job. And that's his, uh, the that's Ghostbusters his news. That's his job now. Yeah. That's his job. And frankly, I believe it because, man, uh, A, he he's already been putting out so much stuff. 
I don't know how he does it, honestly. Like no. a, a photo comes out and he's got a YouTube video up, I swear, <laughs> like an hour and a half later. I don't know how he does it. But I yeah. I I am the little uh rat in the corner of the kitchen hiding under a cupboard and I I uh cackle with glee uh thanks to time zone differences because news will drop in in the middle of like in the morning here and i'll get to go report it on you know the the remnants of proton charging social media knowing jason's at work he won't get post for another few hours (laughs) not anymore not not anymore anymore. that man will now uh live and breathe on a day and i mean uh, not to get too personal about it i i you know uh Jason's been at it for a long while. I remember talking to him about it when he was getting it going. Um, and uh, he started at a time when I was still kind of, I, not kind of, I mean, I was still actively working proton charging. And then I slowly kind of backed off because, you know, life, you know, I, I um, you know, more and more work responsibilities and had a family and all that sort of thing. And more than happy that he was there, especially as like, as time went on, it was, it was great that he was there. And you know, if, if I wasn't on the ball, he was sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt too. I mean, in the back of my head for the longest time, I, (laughs) I'm kind of hanging in there just because I'm a fan and there's the new movie sort of thing. And, uh, I'm really bad at (laughs) making clean cuts and stuff like that. I mean, I kind of retired everything in 2009 and then came back because, you know, they made a video game and then shortly thereafter made new movies. But, uh, part of me was just sort of like, uh, I, I, you know, I, what was I looking for? I think I, basically I was, I was happy that Jason and Ghostbusters news was there and I was happily just kind of trundle along relaxedly covering, you know, the stuff that interested me and stuff like that. Uh, I spent half my time posting my own stuff and then just retweeting his stuff. Cause he did it. He did it. He did, did it way better than I did. So there you yeah. go. I'm glad that he's going full time because part of me is kind of like, well, good. Because after this movie's over, you know, maybe I just literally back out even more. Like, I can't, you know. <laughs> yeah, history's going to repeat itself. It's like, well, Jason's got the news uh, thing. GB fans has got the props and the message board thing. Ah, we're good. You don't need eh, us. What do you we need can us just, for? We can just sit here and talk nonsense, and I'm fine with that. I don't. I don't know if this is making any sense, but it, what I'm trying to get at is, I am so super happy for Jason because I like. Yeah, that that's kind of what I, I'm trying to get at here is, I am, I w- way more comfortable with the idea that I've put in my time and I'm just kind of moving into the background. I was happy enough to do it knowing that he was there and he was kind of covering stuff uh, more and more. He was covering it uh, better and better than, than, I mean, let's be honest here. He's doing stuff that I never did back in the day. Well, couldn't do easily, but whatever. He's, he's Ghostbusters news as a site. It offers so much more than pro charging, uh, charging ever could. But at the same time, you know, he was, he was, he was blood, sweat and tear, tearsing it. He was, he was, you know, making that work by running the day job. I like that he's, I like that it's paying him back. Yeah. I like that he can now not have to split his time. He can focus just on this. He can make videos all day long, which is what he said he's going to do. He's going to make more videos. He's going to make more posts and all this sort of thing. And it's, it's basically going to sustain him. Well, you guys, the fans are going to sustain him. There's enough going on. That that's his job now. That is brilliant because what that means is, is he's attained the same status as um, 
you know, to AJ hit kind of yeah. that, that balance with uh, with GB fans. In that, you know, he had he put his store stuff together. It's, I mean, let's be honest, he's an entrepreneur in several levels that don't overlap with the Ghostbusters fandom whatsoever. But that was one of the first things he did. Like he wasn't, I'm running ads. He did run ads and all that. But he, you know, he was he wasn't rinky dinking it. He made that website a business, and it, you know, so it paid for itself. It was paying him for his time into it. And now Ghostbusters News is going to do that for Jason, and it's like fantastic. I just hope he doesn't start hating his job. I mean, once it becomes a job, man, that's... No, he's doing... No, nah, I'm just kidding, Jason. He's doing I'm too kidding. much. He's doing too much already. Like, it, 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 he was already... It was already a job. It just wasn't paying. Yeah. And now it is. And I'm like, fantastic. Um, yeah. And, and actually, it makes me feel better, too, that I can... I could ignore and, uh, by extension, not report Ghostbusters Afterlife stuff uh, <laughs> because I don't want to spoil the movie for myself. Yeah, Poor exactly. Jason. You know he's got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You're getting paid, Jason. You can go look at the art on the boxes <laughs> and try and figure out what a Aztec whistle is. You know what I mean? I'm just, nope, I'll be over here. Exactly. In, exactly. Anyways, that's my um, final thought. Congratulations to Jason. Uh, GB News, it, it's official now. It's legit. Yeah. It's legit. And good good for you, Jason. Fantastic. And uh, if you want to maybe give us some financial advice, because this podcast <laughs> uses about two or $300 a year, I'm more than open to it uh, because this is this is just a little labor of love uh, that you guys are listening to. But uh, yeah, good good on Jason. Good on um, everybody that's out there making a living off of the stuff that they they love, they uh, love. because that's the way to do it. That's, that's the secret of life, I think. I don't know. Don't quote me on it. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, GB News, uh, Ghostbusters Resurrection, of course, check those guys out, support them, and uh, much, much more to come uh, on the Ghostbusters front from all of us. We're all one big happy family, mm-hmm. I hope. We're kind of like the, the kid brother that everybody's like, oh, yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want, you goofy bastard. But uh, that's us. That's the cross rip. Uh, we'll be back next week. Maybe. I don't know. We don't get paid. But we'll be back next week. We're We're back every week. We're We're coming back. We're here. And until we do, see you on the other side. Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Oh, Next week, though, Careless Pets. We're so good.